know, you're not going to get any better than that, that's for sure. Let's give them another hand. They did a great job. They sang like they believed all that stuff. Amen? That's great, kids. Thank you. Thank you, parents, and thank you, those that work with them uh, to, as a choir. What a great job. Let's have the ushers come, and we will come preach to us. Let's listen to God's man, all right? But thank Dave you, Summerville. Pastor. Amen. And good evening, church family. Good to see you this evening. I hope you had a good afternoon. Wonderful job today that all of you did. And before I go any further, I do want to go ahead and read a thank you note. And this thank you note is from the Summerdorfs. All right. As uh, I think I did this last year, um, usually we'll mail them out. But uh, <clears throat> due to recent budget cuts, we're going to save the stamp and uh, <laughs> sequestration. And we're going to read it. Dear Pastor Brown and church family, such a blessing to be with all of you briefly for your special God and country services. We appreciated the opportunity to minister and rejoice to see so many visitors in attendance. Such a wonderful job so many of you did in preparing for this event from the decorations, the gifts for the veterans, the wonderful meal, the choir specials, and so on. Great job. Appreciate your kind care of us as well. From the aforementioned things, plus the wonderful meal yesterday evening with your pastor and his dear wife, as well as the lovely RV hookups. We love 50 amps. Y'all have us, we're into, I had a choice of 30 or 50, and we just always go for the 50. You know, when you have 50 amps, you can turn everything on at once. You can turn the furnace on with the air conditioner and just watch the little dial go around. You just can never... <laughs> Just can never kick the breaker. We love it. We don't know what it means, but it's fascinating. <laughs> there went half my love offering, anyhow. <laughs> the lovely RV hookup, sweet fellowship throughout our stay. Truly, you were a delight. Thank you in advance for the love gift afforded us. We know that it will be more than we deserve, and we appreciate your sacrifice and love. Already looking forward to our next time together. Hint, <clears throat> hint, hint. Until then. May you continue faithful to our King and serve him with all your heart. All our love and thanks, Brother Dave and Miss Deb, with our ministry verse. P.S. Special thanks also for the gift basket, a real blessing and treat. And so, Pastor, I'm going to leave this right up here. This will be for you to post however you determine. And please see my wife, everybody here. We brought prayer cards in. These are our new prayer cards. We'd love it if you'd pray for our ministry. We've expanded greatly. Uh, to our troop care package program. I could go on and on. Our ministry is ever expanding because we know there'll come a day where we'll begin to slow down. And so while we've got the energy, we keep budging the boundaries and uh, pushing the light into darkness and uh, the gospel into decay. And so you pray for us. So see my wife and the prayer cards are there. All right, take your Bibles and go to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Once you find your place, if you're able to stand comfortably, stand with me, and I'll know you have it. First Samuel chapter number 16. You say, preacher, we were there this morning. Are you preaching the message again? No, no, there's more to talk about and to speak on concerning your heart and my heart tonight. And so First Samuel chapter 16, look at what's said beginning in verse number 1 again. First Samuel chapter 16 and verse 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, how long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. 
Verse 4, And Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. Verse 6, It came to pass when they were come, that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. All right, draw your attention now to verse 7, where we see the Lord's interesting response. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. And notice again with me the reason for refusal. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. I would like to continue tonight and conclude with the Lord's help that little thought we began this morning, focusing on 1 Samuel 16, 7, I entitled our message, The Heart of the Matter is This, It is a Matter of the Heart. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you this evening for the privilege and honor again to be in your house and with your people. Thank you, Lord, for how you blessed in the services this morning. Lord, I pray for each that had come into our presence unsaved. May even now your Holy Spirit be dealing with their hearts and reminding them of what they heard, reminding them of the fellowship of your people, the songs that were sung. Lord, I pray you would chase them, you would convict them, and you would save them. Lord, tonight, now we pray as we turn our attention back to this text, I pray that you would open our hearts to these truths. Help us to set aside the busy thoughts that may already be tapping us concerning the week that lies before us. Lord, help us to be challenged and instructed out of your word concerning our heart. Lord, I pray tonight we not be hearers only, deceiving ourselves. But by your grace, help us to be doers of thy word. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not in his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. This morning I noted that when the Bible speaks of your heart, it's not talking about the organ inside of you right now that's pumping blood. When the Bible references your heart, it's not talking about the little Valentine cutout shape in the middle of February we find on cards. But I noted this morning that when the Bible speaks of your heart, it's talking about something entirely different. Noah Webster said it's this, your heart is the source of all your passions. The heart is the seed of all your emotions. He said your heart is your innermost being. It's that rudder inside of you that turns you any, anywhere you want, it wants you to go. And somebody so wisely said one time, your heart is who you really are when no one else is looking. And I said this morning, of everything about you and me, how God assembled us, it's our heart that he prizes above everything else. It's your heart and my heart that he not only sees, but he knows it and he wants it. And it's important to him, and we saw two reasons this morning as to why. First, because according to the Bible, sin is a matter of your heart. Go to Jeremiah with me again very quickly. I want to just tap this in Jeremiah 17 and verse number 9. In Jeremiah 17, in verse number 9, we see the very first reason in your Bible and our Bible why your heart is so important to God. 
and it's because that sin is a matter of your heart. Sin originates in the heart. In Jeremiah 17 and verse 9, the heart is noted here in its natural condition untouched by the grace of God. And listen to how God describes your and my innermost being. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. He asks the question, who can know it? And he answers his own question, I, the Lord, search the heart. Notice again with me this evening, as we saw this morning, that when God describes your innermost being in its natural condition, he ascribes to it words that are less than glowing. He ascribes to it words like deceitful, desperate, and wicked. Now let me say this. If you were to go tomorrow into your community and seek out a psychiatrist or a psychologist and commit yourself to their, uh, if you will, their examination and lie down on the couch and have them tell you what your basic nature is and what your innermost being is, I think you would hear them describe you in different terms in Jeremiah 17, 9. I think you would hear something like this. Well, inside of you is somebody basically good, not bad. But because of something bad that happened in your past, and I always laughed about that, when else could it have happened? I mean, that is so profound. It had to be in your past. But because of something bad that came into your life that was out of your control, it's caused you to become the person you are now and the struggles you have. But really, really, it's your basic nature. You're good, not bad. I'm going to tell you, they are in direct opposition to the Word of God. And you and I need to decide who we're going to believe. And I don't know about you, but I think I'd rather go ahead and take the analysis of somebody that assembled me and put, to, put me together and has been around forever than somebody fleecing me out of 120 bucks an hour and half the time doesn't even know who he is. And be careful of the assessment. Be careful of who you think you are apart from the grace of God. For it will determine your destiny in many, many ways. One of the most beloved hymns of all time is a song entitled, a hymn entitled, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace was written by a former slave ship captain named John Newton. Few people know this, but John was raised at the knee of the Puritan mother. But when John was seven years old, his mother died. She left him to be raised by others, and in his early 20s, John was introduced to two best-selling books of his day. They were written by a man named Lord Shaftbury. They were philosophy books. The first title was a very lengthy title. It was entitled Characteristics of, manners, of Men, Manners, Opinions, and Times. The second book was a philosophy book written by the same man entitled Rhapsody. These books taught, among other things, that human nature was basically good. That misconduct was not sin, but simply a bad taste in morals, and they trampled underfoot original sin and mankind's natural bent towards evil. John Newton, in later years, wrote in his autobiography, quote, They beguiled my heart with fine words and fair speeches. And their slow poison trickled into the stream of my mind, opening the door to anything I desired, and allowing me to determine my own morality 
and wriggle free of my mother's Puritan theology. And with those words, one of the most wicked lives that was ever lived was lived. John Newton became a slaver. John Newton imbibed in all the filth and wickedness that went with that power and that commerce of the day. And John Newton was so filthy and vile and wicked that even other slave ship captains despised his mockery and his attitude toward a holy God. But one day John Newton got saved. One day John was accosted by the hand of God and the grace of God. And out of a heart that had been deceived about who it really was for all those years sprang out the words, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. You be careful tonight who you think you are apart from the mercy and grace of God. Could I say this? We're just nothing but dirty, rotten, wicked, filthy sinners saved by grace. Don't move too far from that. Amen. Sin is a matter of your and my heart. We saw that truth. It originates in the heart. But then we saw a second great truth. Go to Romans chapter 10. And it was this. Salvation is also a matter of the heart. Look in Romans chapter 10 with me. And look in verse number 9. In Romans 10 and verse number 9, the second great truth about the importance of your heart is this. Salvation is a matter of the heart. Romans 10 verse 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Boy, the second great truth we saw this morning concerning your heart and mine, and it was this, salvation is a matter of the heart. You cannot get saved without your heart. You cannot get saved without the seed of your passions being involved in salvation. We noted historical faith versus evangelical and justifying faith. And I noted that the faith that saves is a mental ascent of the mind to the truths of the gospel, accompanied with a yielding of the will and affections, and then a humble reliance on Christ alone for salvation. You know, the faith that saves doesn't originate here. The faith that saves originates here. A number of years ago, I was in Fort Hood, and uh, we were ministering at a church there. The command sergeant major of Fort Hood is a personal friend of mine. He's a member of that church, command sergeant major Archie Davis. Commanded 65,000 troops. And I remember we came through that year, we were ministering, and Following the Sunday morning service, a, a friend of mine there in the church, he said to me, he said, Brother Dave, you're going on visitation today. And that church uniquely does their visitation at 4 o'clock on Sundays. When the choir assembles to have choir practice, they, others meet and they do visits right from the church. And I said, yeah, I was planning to. He said, you got somebody to go with? I said, no. He said, would you like to go with me? I said, sure. I said, what are we doing? I said, we door knocking? What are we? He said, no, no, I got this guy I've been working with for the last three years, and I want you to meet him. I said, well, what's up with him? He said, you know what? He was raised in a Christian home. He knows the Bible as well as any one of us. 
He said, but I've been with him for three years, and there is nothing about this man's life that says he belongs to God. It's only on his lips. It's nowhere in his life. And preacher, I know there's something you could say to him that would wake him up and make a difference and allow him to see his need. You know, I love these guys. They always think the evangelist has the pixie dust. You know, half the time, I'm just as scared as you are to go meet somebody. You know what I'm saying? I learned a long time ago when it comes to visitation, the, the hardest door to open is the car door. If you get your car door open and go, you're halfway there. Amen? And so 4 o'clock comes, and my buddy can't wait to introduce me to this guy that probably knows the Bible better than I do and just watch me work magic with him, you know. And so we get in the car, we're heading to the... The, the place, and you say, were, were you praying, Brother Dave? Yeah, I was praying. I was praying he wouldn't be in. You say, seriously, I was. It's like, what am I going to tell this guy? And so we get there, and ah, he's in. I remember, I, I remember going, ah, there he is. He's right in the front yard, you know, and I'm praying harder. And so we're getting up there, and my buddy introduces me, and, and I'm thinking, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know where to start with this guy, you know. But thankfully, my buddy was a bit of a chatterbox, and so he started talking, and along the way, as I'm praying, the Lord gave me something to say. My buddy turned to me, he reintroduced me, and he said, you got something to say? I said, well, you know, I do. I reintroduced myself, and I said, I understand you were raised in a Christian home. Yes, sir. I understand you're going through a divorce right now. Things are tough. Yeah, yes, sir. I said, you know, in all your religious experience, let me ask you this. Has there ever come a time in your life as you're going through life and holding the reins, you're living how you want to live. You're believing what you want to believe. You're doing what you want to do. Has there ever been a time where you just handed the reins over to God and said, here, you have my life? I'll never forget what this guy did. He poked around at the ground a little bit, kind of, you know, embarrassed, and then he said, no, sir, I've never done that. I said, listen, I don't know your heart. Maybe you're just backslidden. Maybe you need to be saved. I don't know. But I can guarantee you that's what God wants from you. He wants the reins of your heart. So I just prayed with him and left it with that. About two weeks later, my buddy calls. He says, you remember that guy we visited? Yeah. He came to church a week later. He started attending church. He got saved Wednesday night. My preacher is baptizing him Sunday. Could I say, you can get saved without a prayer. I never prayed. And if you have to pray, mutes go to hell. You say by believing, not by praying. I know that turns it on its head. That doesn't mean if you prayed, you didn't believe. You with me? Amen? You can get saved without a prayer. You can get saved without a preacher. You can get saved without a single person present. But you cannot... Get saved without your heart. You know what my fear is for our young people? It's like knowing the written exam and every answer. Ah, I believe that. I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree with that. But they've never dropped the reins and trusted him with their heart. That's a fear I have. That's a fear and concern I have for my grandchildren. They're going to be raised in all this knowledge. You know what I'm saying? That they'll just think that intellectually agreeing with what dad or grandpa is teaching them means they belong to God. Listen, the devil is a better theologian than every one of you tonight. And he is not going to heaven. Because there's one thing he will not give God. He will not yield his will and humbly trust Christ alone for salvation. He knows all about him. 
but will not give himself to him. You say, preacher, you're meddling now. You're creating doubt. Listen, if I can trump the Holy Spirit of God, then what you have isn't worth having. It's the Spirit of God that bears witness. You belong to him. Not Brother Dave, not your mommy, not your daddy, not even your preacher. It's the Holy Spirit of God that says, you're mine. Amen? Sin is a matter of the heart. Salvation is a matter of the heart. But there's something else I want to move forward on. Not only do those things spring up from the heart, but do you know tonight that service to God is a matter of your heart? Go to Exodus with me, Exodus 35, and let's continue on this vein. In Exodus chapter 35, in verse number 4, in Exodus 35, in verse number 4, they're bringing an offering for the building of the tabernacle. And notice what's said in Exodus 35, in verse number 4. The Bible says, And Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord, whosoever is of a, look at what he's looking for, willing heart. Let him bring in an offering of the Lord. Look at verse number uh, 21. Uh, and, or verse 20, and all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came. Who came? Everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made willing. Look at verse 22, and they came, both men and women, as many as were, there it is again, willing-hearted. Look at verse 29, the children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord, every man and woman, there it is again, whose heart made them willing. Look up. There's your third great truth about your heart and my heart. And it's this, service to God is a matter of the heart. We see here there's a call to respond. There's a, a tabernacle being built. And in the response, some gave and some didn't. Some responded, some didn't. Some contributed and some didn't. You say, well, what was the variable? What was it? The difference was this, it was a matter of their heart. And as I travel America, speaking in country churches, city churches, big churches, little churches, white churches, African-American churches, you know something I've noticed? Service to God is a matter of your heart. Serving God is not a matter of resources and finances. I've watched people with, with virtually nothing, and there's a need, and there's a call to meet a need, and what little they have, they're scraping it together, throwing it in the plate, and I've watched people that, man, their heart doesn't want to serve, and so they got all these resources, but they don't put anything in on the needs that are there. Serving God is not an issue of your resources and your finances. Serving God is not an issue of your talents and abilities. I meet talented people whose heart doesn't want to serve sits right there. All that talent sits. You would bless my heart tonight? Watch that little half pint, that little muskrat sitting up here at the organ, playing away, keeping up with sister at piano. Did that bless your heart? I thought, praise the Lord. I've watched people with, with, with all kinds of talent not use it for the Lord, and then people with what little they got there, man, they're, they're trying to invest it in the things of God because their heart wants to serve God. I've watched people with busy schedules still make tons of room for God. I've watched people with all kinds of time. They don't want to serve God. They just waste it, fritter it away on American stuff. Let me tell you, here's the deal. If your heart wants to serve God, you will find a way to serve Him. And if your heart doesn't want to serve God, you will find a reason not to. And it will always be somebody else you hang it on when you don't serve the Lord. Every single time. 
Your service to God does not spring up out of things outside of you. Your service to God generates and springs up of something inside of you called your heart. Amen? Oh, yeah. I remember years ago when I got to Alaska, and uh, we started in North Pole, Alaska. Don't let that scare you. It's not the North Pole, but it can feel like that in February. And there was this little radio station up there called KJNP, King Jesus North Pole. They had an AM band and an FM band. But the FM band was fairly conservative, so we'd tune in on that. And every once in a while, this commercial would come on. For the four years we lived there, it would continually play. And every time it came on, I would turn it up because I loved the truth it stated. Here's how the commercial went. The narrator came on. He said, have you ever been in church and heard somebody singing a little off-key? And then this guy began to sing the song, Come Thou Fount. And he sang it like this. Come thou fount of every blessing to my heart to sing thy praise. And so this narrator comes out. He says, you ever been in her church and heard somebody singing a little off key? And then this guy starts singing. And as he's singing, I'm thinking of guys I know that sound just like that. I'm thinking of my old Navy buddy, Dave Merrifield. We called him Goofy Dave. Dave's favorite song was It Is Well With My Soul. But Dave was tone deaf. And he would sing that song like a foghorn on Gibraltar. It is well with my soul. And he'd always stand right behind me. And he knew it grated me because he'd lean forward and sing louder. I thought of old Merriweather. I thought of my buddy Christian Cast, Annapolis grad, fluent German, accepted at every academy in America, one of the godliest men I know to this day. It was announced that Brother Christian Cast in the Sunday evening service was going to sing a special. I thought, man, everything Brother Cast does is first class. He got up that night to say, one of my favorite songs is Come Thou Fount, and he began to sing it. And I am not kidding you, I have never heard that version before it was like fingernails going down a chalkboard i mean musically it was like the jailhouse quartet behind a few bars looking for the key i mean it was painful to listen to <laughs> so this guy comes on he said you ever been in church and heard somebody singing off key and then you know breaks into the song and then halfway through he says but have you ever wondered what that sounds like in heaven and the second half of the song breaks into four-part harmony. Hundred-person choir, brass, French horns, full orchestra. I mean, it was like, whoa! It just picked you up and set you in heaven, man. And I know it was radio and you couldn't see this guy's face, but you could hear his smile. He'd say, worship, it's a matter of the heart. Boy, that's so true. Our worship of our God and our service to our God, it springs up from within, not without. It's determined by someone here and something that happened to our heart. Amen? Service to God is a matter of your heart. Go to Luke 9. Watch something here. I want to give this to you before I go to the last point. In Luke chapter 9, in Luke chapter 9, 
we see a very fascinating portion of Scripture. Jesus Christ confronts three men. In the three variables, whether he initiates it or they initiate the question or whatever, the, there's three variables here in Luke 9. And notice how it begins in Luke 9 in verse number 57. In Luke chapter 9 in verse 57, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Look up for just a moment. You know, I love it when somebody says, I have decided to follow Jesus. Amen? But isn't it interesting how the Lord who knows everything about what's inside somebody, he didn't just immediately say, great! He went ahead and tapped him and tapped his heart with a question. Look at this. Look at what he says. And Jesus said unto him, he reminds him of the cost of fellowship. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And from that point forward, that man walks. You never see him follow through on his bold declaration to follow the Lord. Look at this in verse 59. He said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And look at the third man now, verse 61. Another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Now I call this text the sin of the backward glance. But in it I see something very fascinating. Every one of these men had a place for the Lord in his heart. Did you notice that? Everyone said, I want to follow you, but... Every one of these men had a place for the Lord in his heart, just not first place. I believe tonight, on a Sunday night, many of you have a very great place for the Lord in your heart. Amen? That's the Sunday night crowd. That's just how I've learned over the years. But is he first place? Then you got old Tom Gillum, that old southern boy from Athens, Georgia. Talks real slow like. Shuffles when he talks. He says, my soul, God don't want first place. He wants all the places. Are you like me sometimes? Lord, that room's yours. And Lord, that room in my heart is yours. But this one's mine. This is my entertainment room. This is... Lord, don't ask me to sacrifice that part. You with me? Y'all with me? Listen, I'm not just confessing my sin here, okay? I'm trying to illustrate. We get that way. You know what we forget? Jesus paid for all the places. You better be glad he did. He didn't just buy a piece of you. He bought and paid and redeemed all of you. We all belong to him. Service to God, it's a matter of our hearts. Brother Prisk used to say it this way, our goal should be to get a little closer to Jesus, amen? And then he added this, and we could all get a little closer. Our hearts are prone to wander, Wyeth said in that song, prone to leave the God we love. And then he wisely said, here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Service to God is a matter of your heart tonight. You and I should periodically allow God to search our heart and find out what place he does have, what places 
he has. But as I close tonight, I want to go to a final truth to cause you to ponder. In Proverbs 4, if you could go there with me, we see the importance of the heart is noted. In Proverbs chapter 4. And I believe tonight the Bible clearly teaches that sin is a matter of your heart. That salvation from that sin is a matter of your heart. That service to God and serving God is a matter of your heart tonight. But fourthly, I believe your and my future success is a matter of our heart. Look at the importance of the heart noted here in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 23. In Proverbs 4 verse 23, the Bible says, Keep thy heart with all diligence. Look up for just a moment. You know what he's simply saying? Lock your heart down. Guard it. Protect it. Hey, don't just go to any internet site you want to go to. Don't just allow your heart to go see whatever it wants to see and imbibe in whatever. You all with me? He's saying, guard that thing. Lock it down. Here's why. For out of it, your heart, are all the issues of life. I wrote this down. You are what your heart is tonight. That's the real you. The real you aren't the clothes you're wearing. The real you isn't even your skin color. The real you is what's tucked inside that only God can see. The seat of your passions, your emotions, your heart. That's the real you. That's who you really, really are in the sight of God. You are what your heart is tonight. But let's say it this way. You're becoming what your heart is. Let me illustrate. I will guarantee you in your community... If there's not one, there's probably a thousand and one young people out there today. They're surrounded by everything that's wrong. They've got caustic music screaming at them. They've got a daddy that doesn't pray to God. He curses God's name. They've got a mama that's maybe drunk or, or has forsaken the family. They are surrounded and maybe even live in a neighborhood. There's just nothing but wickedness and everything's wrong. But, late at, but, but inside of them, there's this little heart that late at night when everything quiets down and all the cursing's over and all the screaming is over, they stare up to the heavens and there's this little heart that cries out, there's got to be a God somewhere. There's got to be more to life than this existence. And though they don't know him, they're crying out to whoever this God is and those surrounded by everything that's wrong there's a little heart saying there's got to be something else in life but this who are you but likewise in the churches I minister in I will guarantee you there's at least one here tonight one of our young people you've been surrounded by a lot of stuff that's good your parents took you to church you've been to camp God wasn't a swear word in your home. He was a word of praise and prayer. You've been surrounded by everything to the best of their ability. They weren't perfect parents, but they tried to surround you with good things. But inside, you have a heart that says, one day, when I'm on my own, I'm going to do what I really want to do, and I'm going to live how I really want to live. You know what will happen in time? In time, you will trade places with them. They're going to hear the truth and get saved and be drawn into a place like this to hear the things of God. And you're going to go out and take their place. You say, how could two young people raised polar opposite trade places? It's easy. You are or soon will be what your heart is. 
Given time, what's inside of you will be revealed. Given time, you will become what's inside. Your future success is a matter of your heart. And how many times have I watched our young people trade places? I'm on board of directors at Hope Children's Home with 90 young people down there with stories that would blow your mind. But they're graduating and serving God. You say, well, they were raised so wrong. But they had a heart that wanted something else besides wrong. God says, if you seek me and search for me with all your heart, I will be found of you. I say it this way. You take a step toward God, he'll take 20 million steps toward you. But if you sit in your hard-heartedness and decide you're going to just do it your way and be God, he's not going to get any closer to you. Amen? I found this to be true. Your and my future success rests not on the surroundings around us, but it rests on what's within us, a thing called your and my heart. And as we close tonight, you and I need to recognize this is what God is after. Look with me in Genesis chapter 6. Look in Genesis chapter 6, and I want to read just this text, and then we'll close. But in Genesis 6, a fascinating portion of Scripture here. In Genesis 6, in verse number 5, the heart of the matter is this, it is a matter of your heart. And in Genesis chapter 6, in verse number 5, look at what's said here. It begins with three words, and God saw. Genesis 6, 5. It says, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart, look at that, was only evil continually. And look at this. And it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him where? At his heart. Wow. Do you know according to those verses, your heart affects God's heart? Your and my heart actually reverberates and touches his heart. And so as we think about that tonight, as I close the thoughts down, if you were the only heart that was under focus of God right now, if everybody else faded away and the spotlight thunk, was right on your heart, how would your heart be affecting God's heart? Would your heart cause him to smile? As he saw the condition of your heart, would it bring him joy? Would his heart reverberate and would he say, would it bring joy to his heart? Would the condition of your heart right now bring joy to your creator's heart? Or would he look at the condition of your heart and it would grieve him at his heart? I've watched people give God a lot of stuff. I watch them give him some time. I watch them give him money. I watch him give him talents. Y'all with me? But you know what I found? If you want God to change you and help you, you'll have to give him what he's really after. You'll have to give him your heart. That's what he wants. He wants the reins. He wants your heart. He wants your innermost being. He wants that. Amen. So how's your heart tonight? Where's your heart in the message? We're a nation that honors God with our lips.
but our heart is from, far from him. You say, my heart's been wounded. Listen, there's things that happen to us that explain, but they'll never excuse why we do what we do. You with me? There are things that have happened to every one of us that contribute to who we are, but they should never control us. God should have those reins. No one else. Amen? And you say, well, preacher, I got a dirty heart. Good news. I know someone who can clean dirty hearts. You got to hand him your heart to get it clean, though. Amen? You say, well, I got a bitter heart. I know someone that can sweeten that bitter heart. Amen? You say, well, I got an angry heart. I know someone that can give that heart peace. Amen? I got an empty heart. I know someone who can fill. You see, really, when you get down to it, the need of your heart is a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. He is a wonderful Savior. Jesus, Jesus. Oh, how sweet the name. And the psalmist said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And then lead me in the way everlasting. Hey, we're coming into a busy week. We had this little moment together this morning and tonight. Before you get out on the treadmill... Wouldn't it be a great thing to do tonight? I know the musicians come. Is just let God search your heart, show you what's in your heart. Let him deal with your heart, whatever the need is. And you know something I found out? I don't have to even know what the need of my heart is. Because really, I don't know it. I don't know my heart like God does. I just need to know who to run to to get help for my heart. Amen? And so you say, well, I don't know the needs of my heart. I just know I've got a needy heart. I have some struggles. Why don't you run to God with that and go cast yourself before him and say, God, please help my heart. Amen? Let's stand. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this little thought. So many ways is so huge. And Lord, I recognize clearly the power of our heart. And Lord, it's importance to you. I pray for the one tonight. They may know everything about your son, but they don't know him. I pray they drop the reins and just trust him. Trust him to be there own personal Savior. May there be no conditions just to surrender to Jesus Christ alone. May their faith find that resting place, no more to wander. Lord, I pray for the one struggling with sin and victory over sin. Lord, I pray they'd offer up that heart to you and ask you to give them victory. May your grace be more than sufficient, Lord. I pray for the one that struggles to be faithful. Their heart just struggles, Lord. I pray they would extend their heart to you and ask for your help. And Lord, for the young person that may just be playing the game, Lord, I pray tonight they'd recognize what's inside of them will come out in time. May their heart belong to you. Father, may it truly belong to you. Lord, may tonight our, helps get, our hearts get help, and may the words of our mouth and then the meditations of our heart, may they be acceptable in thy sight. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You slip out as the music plays softly. How's your heart tonight? How's your heart tonight? Your heart needs help. You come. You slip out and come. Does he have all the places tonight? I struggle with that. I struggle with that. Myself many times is bargaining with God about what rooms and what time He has. But I found when I drop the reins, there's a peace that's overwhelming. And I just quit trying to run it and quit trying to 
be in control. I just say, God, take the reins. God, take the reins. There's a peace that will invade your heart when you drop the reins. Go ahead and sing that prayer. Have I no way, Lord? Have I no I am the clay, hold me and make me after thy will, while I am waiting, yielded. 